Welcome to the CFB Paint Podcast. We aren't Photoshop, we're not Illustrator. We're your bare bones essentials college football podcast, giving you the pixelated, crudely edited coverage you need for the preseason, midweek, and off-season doldrums while you wait for the action on Saturdays. You've got Court, Steve, Mark, and Brian, four brothers, college football fans with decades of heartbreak and a few years of ecstasy, here to guide you through your own gridiron roller coaster with all the side drama along the way. All right. Welcome back to the CFB Paint Podcast. Uh, we're talking our rapid round. Right now, we're going to go in order of best looking to worst looking, which also happens to be our order from youngest to oldest. So we go Brian, Mark, Steve, and then me. Brian, what are your thoughts on the week? Uh, my thought on the week is, uh, as the great uh, fictional Dom Toretto would say, winning's winning. Um, a lot of really close games this week, um, but the the record is what people really care about the most. You have FSU winning on a blocked extra point over LSU, Florida winning on an interception in the end zone after Utah's driven the length of the field. Uh, Pitt West Virginia has a pick six to, to cap off that game. You have NC state ECU, NC state wins on a missed field goal. Uh, Houston UTSA goes to triple overtime and UNC wins uh, over app state with two failed two point conversions from app state. Um, I've forgiven a lot of September poor, bad-looking performances because by the end of the season, things look different. All that I remember is the record. So as Dom said, winning's winning. Uh, I play nicely after that, Brian, because is North Carolina the luckiest state in the union? I can't believe both of those games flipped the way they did. Um, You mentioned, you know, two missed uh, extra point opportunities against uh, UNC and, and, Good, you know, uh, two-point conversion opportunities. One of them was wide open, certainly should have been completed. Second one looked similar. Uh, North Carolina State gets a missed PAT and then a missed chip shot field goal. They're blessed. In that same vein, are the Dakotas the most underrated football countries? Both South Dakota and North Dakota, I think, outperformed this week, so good for them. Both lost, but, you know, I don't think anybody would have expected them to, to play as well as they did. Uh, what a disappointing start for Utah. I mean, I guess better to find out now that their wide receivers have no ability to get open at all than in a, you know, blowout loss in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but man, what a, what a terrible way for them to start. I, my big takeaway is PAC 12 North Cinderella's. Uh, I think I chose the wrong one in our CFB win totals draft. Washington state was my choice, took a flyer and, and, and trusted a quarterback and his, former head coach at Incarnate Word and Cameron Ward. And I, I'm now forgetting his offensive coordinator's name now at Washington State. They won by seven at Idaho. Washington looked razor sharp in their opener, um, took care of business. Uh, also, Oregon State uh, looked very, very game, took, took care of business against Boise. Uh, they look like a tough out too. So there's some interesting things happening uh, in the Pacific Northwest. And I think I bet on the wrong horse but it's a long season but that's my takeaway from week one yeah it'll be interesting um, to see if, if oregon state is the best team in oregon this year yeah for <laughs> reals yeah i'm doing that performance for reals <laughs> uh, my takeaway honestly was this not the best like college football we've had a week of college football we've had and i can't remember how long good games were good bad games were still good and teams that shouldn't have been in games we're in games and, and giving people a run for money or beat them. So it was a fun get, year, fun week of college football all around. Um, yeah. 
All right. So we're just going to go over some of the big headlines. I'd like to hear you guys, some of you guys' thoughts. If there's anything else that I don't cover, feel free to throw it in. Um, Georgia making a statement against Oregon. Uh, anybody that surprised anybody? Anybody's thoughts on that one? Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit more with my overreactions, but i really impressed with, with Stetson Bennett um, and sort of the way in which they, I, I guess I'm not surprised they dominated. The way they dominated is, is uh, surprising to me. Yeah. I, I was just, I'm surprised with um, Bo Nix and oh, what's the OC from Oregon that just moved over there? Kenny, um, thank you, Kenny Dillingham, uh, that they can put it together. Although having a promising opening drive and then after that kind of crapping the bed, it's kind of par for the course with Bo Nix and Auburn Pro Ams are probably used to that. That's what I was going to say. I was like, are so you surprised gonna, by yeah. Bo Nix or, or, or should you not be surprised by Bo Nix? Yeah, I, I'm surprised that those two couldn't put it together. Um, but Bo Nix, it seems like it was consistent. And it might, been, it might be subtraction or it might be addition by subtraction seeing Kenny Dillingham go to Oregon for Florida State because their offensive looked a lot better than it did last year. So I don't know. But this Georgia team, seven, seven drives, seven touchdowns, like, to start the game, which uh, I don't know. Any I, other expected, I expected them to win. I, the severity of that beatdown is the part that's just a little alarming, frankly. Like, wow. Uh, and that's that's kind of the talk around the country. It's like, are, are they better this year than they were last year? I, I don't know. I think that remains to be seen. But um, yeah, that was decisive, to, to say the least. I was surprised to see that defense was as fast and as physical. I remember watching them last year and thinking like, wow, I want their, that, like that speed on our offense at, you know, at FSU and they've got it on their defense and, you know, they like to hit and like, they came out and looked like the same thing this year. It's like, man, they fly to the ball. They blow you up when they hit you. They don't like little tackle you. I mean, you, you're going to feel that tackle. You're going backwards. And they, they were the dominant. And then also they're just going to be a tough cover on, you know, there's, I don't, I don't know who could guard them on offense with the tight end play that they have. I mean, I, you look around, it's like, it's, it's got to be Alabama's the only person who can guard them because they are the only ones who are going to have linebackers who are fast enough and big enough to run with them or safeties who can guard them. I mean, they're, they're massive and, and athletic. So, I mean, that was impressive. Yeah. And then also the last part of like, where Kirby Smart just flat out says, we have better players than them. If I'm an Oregon Duck, dude, I'd be pissed off that A, you beat me, but pissed off that you called us out and said we're a crappy player. I have a thought on that. It's like, it's weird that he's mentioned that now twice. Has anyone else noticed that? At one point he brought that up. I can't remember exactly when it was, but he just said, yeah, the name of the game is talent acquisition, which I mean, maybe isn't a secret, but like, it's a little surprising he's willing to just say like, yeah, I recruit better players um, and, and and deal with it because with NIL and with some of the other developments in the sport, like there may be opportunity for people to level out the playing field a little bit more. Uh, so it's just really interesting that he's now gone, I, in my opinion, out of his way twice to say like, I've got better players than you. And that's why I win football games. Uh, I do think it might have been perhaps the conversation that he's had with Dan Lanning a little bit because I think they just they came across to those two are buds and like hey we're gonna talk about this after the sport and kind of analyze how we're going and so it might have been on his mind about that. Mark, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I also think that he 
he saves face for his buddy a little bit there by saying like, what was Dan going to do? Like, look at my team versus Dan's team. He's not going to stack up. Also <clears throat> kind of refreshing to have an honest coach, you know, ta- talent isn't everything, but talent, you know, when you got guys who are moving like his, it's like, you know, it is everything. So there, it's always fun to, anybody can kind of give a cliche coach's answer. You're going into halftime, you know, while you're getting interviewed, whatever. No, I'd rather you just, yeah, it is what it is. Like my players are better than his. It's, he wasn't going to win the football game, you know, when we go to Alabama, we can talk about scheming. You know, I'm not I'm not going to outclass Alabama, but right now we're talking about my Georgia team versus his Oregon team. So, I also wonder if there's some element of you know building up your play, like as a player on his team, it's got to feel nice to be like, oh, he just thinks we're absolutely the best. Um, and it's interesting because there's a couple of things that that coaches try and sell you on when they're recruiting. One is uh, how awesome you are and how awesome you're going to be when you come here because you're going to be around other awesome players. And the other one is I'm the guy to develop you, right? I'm the one who can make you get to that next level. And it's, it's an interesting take to me that he's, you know, kind of just saying like, yeah, we have the best players here. And that's why, that's why we win. Um, it, it, I don't know what that does to a high school recruit makes, it, I guess, versus somebody who's saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, I see these flaws in your high school game. These are the things that I polish up. These are the products who I've put out before. Um, I don't know. I always think about recruiting and in, in that sort of messaging is what, what is that saying to the next group that's going to come in? Um, and what angle is this coach trying to take in that way? Yeah. Uh, maybe recruiting a little bit of his own talent. We've seen some of those people that are coming in that are good, but not playing necessarily. And he's trying to keep them there and saying, we're just better than the, you know, arguably the best teams in the nation. So, all right, let's move on to uh, Ohio state Notre Dame game. Um, Steve, do you want to give us your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, number one, I just seemed like I, I, so I watched this game um, just kind of like skipping through kind of caught the highlights. I've not watched it start to finish. Uh, the, the big takeaway to me was like, there was a stunned silence in that crowd for a long stretch of that game. Uh, I think that they, as a fan base, expected that that was going to be a beatdown. And when it showed that well, Notre Dame's game uh, and, and can play uh, their style of game and kind of force Ohio State to play more of a, of a, of a rock fight, then I, I think that they probably would have prepared to or planned to play offensively. Uh, that, that was just really interesting. Um, in the second half, I think Jim Knowles is going to do great things with their defense. That's not a surprise. I, I'm, I'm not really ready to heap a ton of praise on their defense either. I, I need to see what Notre Dame can do offensively to other teams because they did lose a lot from last year's team. So I'm, I'm not quite, not quite ready to say it was a dominant defensive performance from Ohio State. Well, it, well, it was. Let me walk that back. But I, I just don't know if their defense is elite. Let's put it that way, because um, they did do a great job of, of putting the clamps on Notre Dame after the half. Uh, but when I think about it, the, the starter for Notre Dame most of last year, Jack Cohn, moved on. Uh, Kyron, Kyron Lacy, is that his last name? No, I'm Kyron Williams. Excuse me. Kyron Williams, their leading running backs in the NFL, uh, significant portions of their production from last year are, were gone. They had some pretty key wideout injuries in the preseason. I, I just don't know what this says for Ohio State's defense moving forward, but got the job done. One, maybe didn't necessarily win pretty, but uh, like, like uh, Brian mentioned earlier, a win is a win in week one. So uh, good for them. I'm sure that they'll get things cleaned up. 
from there. It's it's hard to open with that kind of an opponent and and necessarily always look that impressive. We can't all be Georgia, I guess. Brian, yeah, I was surprised. I'll go ahead, Mark. Sorry, I was I was surprised. Stroud didn't look better, frankly. I mean, he had a fine game. He was twenty four of thirty four, but only threw two hundred and twenty yards, two touchdowns. Part of that, you know, he did have his top wideout hurt most of the game, but um, and I think it was fairly early on, but. It, if I remember right, it wasn't in the first couple drives. Like it, it's not like they were, you know, that was the reason and they've got a whole, you know, whole wide receiver room full of NFL talent. So I was just surprised that the offense really, to me, was the story, not the defense. The offense only putting up 21 points actually shocked me. Um, so it was, uh, it'll be interesting to see is Notre Dame that good. Uh, you know, are, are they, are they elite defensively? Does Marcus Freeman have that team humming, uh, in Ohio state, you know, averages 60 points a game for the rest of the season here or, or, or what's up there. Yeah. Mark, honestly, I think that's the story in my opinion is Marcus Freeman's got a defense and he had came in with a good defensive plan against them. I think we're going to see Ohio state humming the rest of the year. And people are going to look back at this Marcus Freeman kind of blueprint and say, okay, maybe we're trying to do it like that. Brian, you have some thoughts. Yeah, I, I agree with Mark that I was surprised with uh, C.J. Stroud. Like, I just expected him to look better. And maybe um, thinking back to our Heisman talk a few episodes ago, Stephen talked about Jackson Smith and uh, um, and him being, you know, a, a Heisman front runner. And Mark and I both talked about C.J. Stroud. Um, I think Steve was right on that. I think, you know, I, I, he's a very, very talented quarterback. I'd take him on any team, honestly, um, except for Alabama. But I think that they dearly missed, you know, their, their best weapon who was gone after the first quarter um, to, I, I agree with Steven's point that it's like, it's hard week one. Um, you know, these aren't teams that have had a tune up game. These are teams that had to, you know, get things right the first time there's no audition. Um, and so there is some, some difficulty there, but it was interesting um, to, to juxtapose this with Georgia, Oregon, uh, Prior to <laughs> to the weekend, we would have said Oregon's kind of in that tier beneath. You know, they got that top tier with Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. Those will probably be the three you'd throw in. And then there's a thick layer of everybody who's very good in their conference, but not at that level. Um, but the separation you see between Notre Dame and Ohio State is nothing compared to the separation you see between Oregon and Georgia and we'll find out over the course of the season oh is was Georgia just way overrated or not Georgia Oregon just way overrated from the beginning um but it is it is interesting to see those two next to each other and you go okay this gap isn't as big for Ohio State as it appears to be for um for the other elite program that that played against the top school my next point I wanted to bring up was UF over Utah UF beats Utah at home and then jump promptly jumps to number 12 in the AP poll. <laughs> uh, Mark, you got any thoughts on that game? Yeah. So I really interesting game. I watched that whole game. Um, I was desperately hoping it was going to be cam rising, cam rising triumphant out of the swamp. Instead it was cam falling. He was really good in the second half and really, really bad in the last two minutes. I thought, I mean, just a horrible two minute drill. And then it also became abundantly clear, like his wide receivers, can't get coverage or can't get separation. Uh, and so there was a, now he got, he got down the field in time, but he threw like three passes that were under five yards in the field of play. It's like, you don't need that in your two minute drill, dude. Everything's got to get to the sidelines so they can get out of bounds. You know, he ends up getting down the field in time. So I guess it worked out fine, but I think he was, he was lucky to do so. Um, 
felt like an awful decision on his pick and, and a lot of his throws had been, but it's like, he just couldn't, you know, there, there's not enough talent at wide receiver to get open. Um, maybe they're desperately missing Britton Covey, but that was really challenging for him. And uh, I'll get into this more later, but uh, Anthony Richardson is who they said he would be. So um, that was, that guy is impressive and uh, yeah, good, good, nice, uh, nice opener for him. Initial impressions is that Billy Napier has uh, got this team organized quickly. Um, and that's something that is, is always a difficulty for a new coach uh, coming in is just how quickly can I get this team to embody my identity? How quickly can I get us all on the same page um, to, to use more now, just get us in the same boat and rowing together. Um, this Georgia or Georgia, this Florida team, um, it looks like it has the potential to, to get back to being, you know, the Florida Gators and what the fan expectation would be for that. Um, and I think the huge part of that, the biggest part of that is Anthony Richardson, um, really the heart and soul of this team. Uh, you can already tell, like he has the locker room, but also has, uh, the stadium. Like it, it's very, um, I don't know, reminiscent of, of, Tim Tebow days. I know it's not the national hype, but as far as the program hype, I think a very similar feel. Um, when I, when I watch him lead them down the field. Um, and I, yeah, I, I'd say I was very surprised to see, uh, Utah not, not perform better in this game. Um, I do think Cam rising is still a really good quarterback. I think he will make a lot of big plays, to, uh, throughout the course of the season. Um, but yeah, the the interception at the end, I, I don't have as many problems with the the two minute drives. Ultimately, it it did move the ball and, and got them in position. Um, but the decision on the throw for the interception is horrendous. It is really really bad. And so that's something that you know hopefully he can bounce back from and won't haunt him and and you know start to deplete his play or or his confidence. Um, but yeah, surprised to see um, these teams as on level pegging as they were and, and impressive. Uh, Impressive debut for for Billy Napier for sure. Yeah, I I had a, a couple of quick thoughts on that game. Number one, fantastic game. Uh, this was one of the ones I, I thought we might be in for a treat, and, and sure enough, you get plays back and forth, uh, and, and you know the game decided within the last you know, thirty seconds or so. I I don't know. I, I haven't seen any other angle of that throw. Um, but if you notice his tight end gets up, Dalton Kincaid looks like he's been tackled by, I can't remember which defensive back it is. So I, I have not seen another angle other than like the initial one, which again is, is one of my issues with the way that ESPN broadcast games is that you can see like the quarterback in the pocket and nothing downfield. Um, but so he, he seemed to think that now, whether or not that's true, that's something else, but uh Man, it was it was a fun game to watch back and forth. Uh, I I am interested. Like, what is the the approach that you take to to slow down someone like Anthony Richardson? Because he looked fairly sharp throwing the ball, but clearly I think is more comfortable as a runner. Uh, obviously, he opens up things for the running backs themselves because he's such a threat himself with his legs. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what other defenses can do. Uh, you've got one really, really strong defensive mind in, in Whittingham who's taken a crack at it. Um, next week you get Mark Stoops that has, has his chance to kind of put a, put a take on how to slow down that Florida offense. So, um, and not necessarily saying that they're a juggernaut or anything like that, but it's just interesting. He's getting some really bright defensive minds 
uh, right out of the gate uh, at, with him as the starter at QB. So we'll see what happens going forward. But yeah, really impressive performance. Yeah, just just touching on kind of how, you know how do you stop him? I, I'm thinking. I think they mentioned on a broadcast kind of a, a comparison between Anthony Richardson and Cam Newton, which is obviously like usually these comparisons are like super flattering. Cam Newton probably had the best year of any college quarterback ever. Um, it's at least very much in the in the top, you know, however many you would debate. Um, but I also looked at, um, I, I thought too, when I watched this game on Saturday, and then I watched uh, Jaden Daniels for LSU on Sunday, I said, this is what Jaden Daniels, this is what they want Jaden Daniels to be right now, um, where he has the physical tools and he's, you know, making some things happen when things break down, um, except he can really deliver uh, when things go right as well. And that is a huge, um, huge thing to have for the, for the Florida offense to rely on. Yeah, Steve. So I would have disagreed with him throwing the ball. I mean, obviously he's got a cannon, like that guy can rifle the ball, but I didn't think his accuracy was all that impressive. I thought, I think the blueprint is relatively simple. I think the execution's relatively hard, but you put him in third and long, I think you're going to win a lot of those third downs. The problem Utah had in the entire second half was that offensive line was leaning on him. So is the running back picking up four yards, four yards. Now you're in third and two, and he is the most unguardable player on like, you're not, you're not stopping him on third and two. And if he's on your half of the field, you have to stop him twice on third and two, because they're going to go for it on fourth because they know they're better than yours. You know, their, their best is better than yours. And so, I mean, that's what Utah couldn't do. Utah couldn't, couldn't stop the run on first down. Now you're in second six or second and six, second and five. And you've got a problem when, when, you know, Anthony Richardson has three downs to pick up six yards. Like, I mean, you just can't do it. And I, you know, people don't want to compare him to, cam newton uh, yeah it's early for that right it's one game and cam newton's stronger than any player i've ever seen i didn't you didn't really get a sense for the uh, the strength i mean there wasn't as many short yarded situations i would say cam newton's as strong as any player i've ever seen tim tebow was that same way whereas like fourth and two like this is a touchdown like we are not strong enough to to stop this guy from falling forward and he's six feet tall so that's two yards uh you know uh, i didn't get a sense for that um but his speed and his size is like, he's going to fall forward most of the time. Um, like it's interesting to me, Brian, you brought up uh, Daniels as well. It's like, it's and somebody who's smarter with football, uh, you know, give, give me the solution here. Give me the answer here. I'm surprised when college coaches prioritize playing football the right way, as opposed to winning games. Um, and I don't know Anthony Richardson's ability to take hits. So maybe it's like, yeah, we actually don't want him tackled a whole lot, but it's like Cam Newton ran the ball a bunch because that guy did not get hurt. You know, he, he was, you know, Tim Tebow's the same way. Like he was not injury prone to we give, I would let Anthony Richardson run twice as many times as he did. Uh, you know, and they were, they were mostly in a passing offense. Daniels is the same thing. That guy had, uh, oh, I can't remember his stats now, but he averaged seven and a half yards of carry. He didn't go over a hundred yards. Did he in rushing? Maybe he did. 114. Yeah. 114. Uh, and so that kid's, should have been running every other play. Like their wideouts aren't getting open. Um, Kalen Deloach is fast, but I would have said, I would have put it to the test and say, you know, is our quarterback faster than your spy? Let's, let's test that out. And I don't feel like they tested that. He only ran when the pocket collapsed and like, he was not looking to run. I think they would have had more success beating us. If he had looked to run the ball, we had trouble guarding him. So I don't, I don't know why coaches seem to say like, no, we'd rather play the right way with, you know, more of a passing attack, but. It's what they do. 
Um, I, I agree with you, Mark. I think sometimes coaches want to play their way and don't necessarily mold it over to who they have as personnel. I think that's the definition of a really good coach is who molds it to their personnel. Granted, if you don't have a good backup, maybe you don't want to play the right way because you're, you're afraid of the back, backup getting coming in. Um, I hear very positive reviews of Florida. Do we agree with this jump from not ranked to 12 in the nation? It's a bit high. Um... But I, I think uh, you have to go off of what you've seen. Like, I, I hate these rankings that um, are adjusting based off of like, oh, we're going to slightly adjust from what our preseason ranking was. It's like, no, we've only seen this much. There's nothing to tell us that Oregon's any good. Uh, and there's, a, you know, good evidence that Florida looks like a decent team. So I, you know, 12 might be a bit high, but also I think this is the time of the year where it should swing like that. And certainly I think top 20 team. Um, just based on on the eye test of their performance. I think the same like thing should well. be said about Utah. You know, how good is Utah? I don't know. They looked okay. Tavian Thomas, yeah. that guy is a load, uh, and he showed it for most of the game. Um, unfortunately, he got put in passing situations late because uh, that guy was an animal. Um, but we don't. How good are they? We'll see. You know, how many games they end up winning? Are they really number seven? I think people also underrate how hard it is to come from the West Coast to the East Coast, being a person that lives on the West Coast. And right now I'm can, I'm vacationing slightly a little bit more East. And it's only an hour time difference, but it throws my entire family off. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's a long trip to, right. to the swamp and a tough, I don't know, it's a tough place to yes. open it up and not an environment that is, you know, anything remotely familiar. And, and you also don't have a climate that's familiar that you play um on a regular basis if you're utah um so I, I think that's a really good point all right moving on my last comment last one i want to talk about from this last week is um north carolina mark like you touched on it, it's that was a fun state thank you for everything they provided for us and even going to be more fun state with uh wake forest picking up their quarterback this next little bit um mark you want to make some comments on the game more so or I think I mostly covered them, but I'm, I'm glad both of them won. You know, Brian's comment, you know, at the end of the year, people remember the records. So the ACC gets two wins there. Uh, and, you know, as, as an FSU fan, not, not, you know, not sad that they looked terrible. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we pick up some, some wins there, but um, yeah. Shocking. Yeah. I, I'll jump in on the, uh, the, the game between App State and North Carolina, uh, man, how, how gutted do you have to be if you're a Mountaineer fan? That is brutal. Like, you score 40 points in the fourth quarter, and you don't win. Uh, and had, had multiple opportunities, uh, including some really bad blunders by UNC with regard to clock management and uh, that, that returned onside kick attempt that they returned for a touchdown, just left the door open. Man, uh, yeah, it, that one's a tough one to take. I, I think App State is – who has them in our draft? Is it me? I believe, I believe so. I think, I think so, too. I just couldn't remember. Yeah, I remember watching the game thinking, oh, man, I think I'm going to steal one here. Um, it doesn't get easier for them. Uh, they, they play Texas A&M, so – uh, may, maybe they'll be able to make some magic and happen in Kyle Field. I, I doubt it, but uh, that that to me was a, a fascinating game, a game of of really crazy runs. Like App State jumped out to a lead, North Carolina then 
blows by them. I think, gosh, I don't have I don't have the stats right in front of me. Give me just a second. But um, yeah, just a, an absolutely fascinating game, uh, wildly entertaining, and, and you know, for for me, that's uh, you know, that's that's what I'm looking for. I, I think I mentioned that is one that I, I had my eye on. It wasn't one of my specific games. I, I can't remember who mentioned it last week that said that they had their eye on that game specifically. I think it might've been Corey, uh, but I, I definitely agreed with that. Uh, another game that I wanted to touch on if any, no one had comments on, on App State North Carolina was, was one that I pointed out was the uh, Houston UTSA game. Wow, that was entertaining as well. Went to overtime. Uh, went into multiple overtimes, uh, including a flip extra point or two point attempt to win the game for Houston. Uh, man, what a game. That one was really fun. Like I mentioned, that 130 time slot was one where I, I was concerned with some blowouts that might happen, Georgia and Oregon specifically. And I said, yeah, I'll probably turn there first. But if those games start to start to go the way I think they will, and, and they sure did in a hurry, uh, I might I might keep a keep a second screen or keep an eye on that UTSA UH game. Uh, really fun one, um, and and just kind of wild that Army and UTSA both lost um, in, in week one. And so those are again solid teams uh, that one of them is going to end up being 0 two at the end of week two here. So just kind of wild. Yeah, Steve, you uh, you brought up something that's interesting. So let me segue us real quick. Uh, Cause you said, you know, you had Appalachian state in our, uh, our win loss pick them. Uh, let me flip there. Cause I've got some like devastating, uh, you know, it was a devastating week for me um, in that specifically. So Brian's the winner of the week. Uh, if, if you're new to this family, you'll realize Brian's the best at this stuff. Uh, we did, you know, college pick them last year and Brian blew us out. And I think was in like the 96 percentile of ESPN or something. We did it again in bowl pick them. Brian, I think, had it won with like five bowl games left to play. Uh, so no shocker that Brian's nine and one. Corey and Steve were right behind eight and two. And I posted a five and five this week. And I had four losses to teams that were also in here. And I was on the wrong side. Well, one of them was my team, right? So I had um, I had uh, Utah State playing Alabama. So I was going to win one of those and lose one of those. Utah was my only team that didn't play somebody else in here. And they lost to Florida. UTSA loses to Houston, who Brian has. Notre Dame loses to Ohio State, who Brian has. Uh, Army lost to Coastal Carolina, who Court has. Uh, so just devastating to lose all of those games and end up five and five and everybody else takes the wins off me. Um, that was terrible. What a horrible week for me. Uh, and, you know, obviously I'll have it a loss next week. We got both Army and UTSA. So, uh, bummer. Oh. Sorry, I didn't know you were going to get rid of it. Um, oh, I honestly, I was bummed about Boise State because that was the only one that I had that was favored that lost, I feel like. So they were favored over Oregon State, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I think they so. were. Any other comments on this, on our win losses? I, yeah, I, I kind of mentioned this earlier. I just feel like I, I picked the wrong, picked the wrong uh, Pac 12 North Cinderella team. Uh, Oregon State looks sharp. Washington looked really sharp. Michael Penix looked really, really good. Um, I've got I, I've got some friends that are in the Pacific Northwest, and we were kind of talking about it. And he's like, you know, I, 
it's it's hard to draw conclusions from that game, but man, he looked sharp. Uh, Kalen DeBoer, I didn't realize this. Uh, the head coach at Washington was his offensive coordinator at Indiana for a year. So there's familiarity there. I, I think that they'll be a pretty game pretty quick. So um, kind of regretting choosing the wrong side of the Apple Cup when it came to my draft decision at uh, for our CFB wins draft. You know, obviously, uh, this is a, a, a good week one. Uh, the teams I drafted went nine and one. Uh, however, um, that doesn't mean I feel good about Iowa. Um, for those of you who didn't get to watch that game, you'll probably not be missing out on anything. Um, Iowa scored seven points. So you think, okay, at least their offense would score a touchdown, but that's not true. Um, they had a field goal and two safeties. So the defense outscoring the offense in week one, uh, they did win seven, three, um, but I'm not real optimistic for the rest of the season. Uh, so we might have a, uh, a perennial loser um, or I guess a weekly loser coming out of there. Yeah. Who would have thought like a, a, a two RBI single in the third would end up winning the game for Iowa. Just, it, it seems to be their MO that they're just very comfortable in close games all the time or getting their doors blown in by Michigan in the big 10 championship game. But you got to feel bad for the defense and the special teams. Like they're doing great things and, and the offense just isn't holding up its end of the bargain. I wonder if that ends up tearing apart that locker room. Like, I don't know how things are there. I'm not accusing them of anything, but at some point you've seen this a, a lot where teams have one elite unit and, and maybe the other phases of the game, they're, they're subpar. I'm curious if that ends up happening if Iowa starts to ha have some struggles for later on in the year where they can't score enough to, to win games where they need more than seven points and, and, and four of them by way of safeties. All right, let's move on to some of our week one overreactions potentially. Uh, let's go back in order of, of the best looking and sexiest to, to the ugliest. Brian, start us off. What are your overreactions? Uh, I'm just going to spit out a bunch of them. These, I mean, some of these are, are intentionally hyped up beyond. Um, <laughs> but uh, one I look at and say, okay, the Pac-12 isn't, isn't good. Um, it's USC and the rest. It's what the ACC uh, has been prior to last year with Clemson. Um, and that's, you know, TBD on USC. Um, last year you had UCLA uh, getting a big win for the Pac-12 and, and, you know, giving some early legitimacy this season, you don't have anything like it. Um, and so I think from a national standpoint, it's going to be hard unless there are other marquee wins down the road. Um, hard to, to have that lens and that view uh, shift on that conference. Um, another one, Georgia's better than last year's team. Um, and, and the real reason I say that is because Stetson Bennett looks way better than he looked last year. Um, I don't think you know, I don't think he's going to be a Heisman guy. I don't think he's one of the top 10 quarterbacks in, in the country, but he is, I think, much better than I would have called him. You know, last year I would have said he's game manager um, in most games. Uh, he played really well against uh, Alabama in the uh, SEC title game. You know, there, there were games where he really performed, but he look, it looks like they're ready to just let him carry the offense, um, and he looks prepared to do it. So that is something that I saw, and then with – no drop off, no recognizable drop off on a defense that looked just otherworldly last year. Um, really, really intriguing. Um, so, so I think it's a real possibility, but then again, it's, you know, week one. Um, another one, Brian Kelly doesn't make it halfway through his contract. Um, that game 
really sloppy on both sides. A lot of opportunities for both teams to do better. As a Florida State fan, I go, oh, we should have won by 17. Uh, on the LSU side, you go, well, if we don't, you know, drop a touchdown and muff two punts, you know, what, what does the game become? Um, or if we can block somebody when we're trying to kick a field goal or trying to kick a PAT. Um, and there's a, you know, pretty heated moment with the media uh, just earlier, I think earlier today, uh, where Brian Kelly gets after the LSU media for showing up late to his press conference. And they say, if you win, we'll be on time. Um, so that, that relationship could get real frosty real quick. I, I can understand as the new head coach who's trying to turn things around how I would not appreciate people, you know, sassing me, despite the fact that, you know, Brian Kelly started with the frostiness and then it just built from there. Um, but that's 95 million for 10 years. Very, very interesting. Um, and I don't know if they, they really get all their money's worth out of that. I, I wonder if he was trying to be playful. That, that's the thing is like, I, I hear the way he says it. And I think he's trying to be jovial. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It is just weird. Like that's just not been Brian Kelly's attempted at humor before. If you remember at the end of the Florida state game last year, uh, he, he made that joke about like, I'm in favor of execution. I think my whole team should be executed tonight. It's just, that's weird. That's weird. Like I, I just think humor is not his thing. And so uh, maybe, maybe he just needs to stay off of it. Cause like, that's the way I, I heard it in the tone of his voice. Like he wasn't really super annoyed. I don't think, but just, just strange. Um, I, I think it's yeah, way too. The accent, Brian Kelly. Yeah. 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 My, my family. Uh, I just, yeah. That, I, I don't know if I'm ready to call time of death on the Brian Kelly era at LSU, but it is, there are some things where I think he's trying to reinvent himself and, some things aren't broke, so don't fix them. I, I also think that you got some culture change that you have to get rid of, I mean, and get out of there. There's a reason he came in, fired everybody, cleaned house. Um, there's some cultural rot that's going to that's gonna kind of be sitting there. And so he's trying to – it's going to take some time to get that out. So I don't think the first game is probably going to do it. I know these are overreactions, but still. Yeah, yeah totally understandable. And, I, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes, I, I think. Uh, it's interesting when you have non-ICC people come into the SEC. Um, I think about Brian Harson in Auburn. Your leash is a lot shorter. Um, you know, it's something if you've been around. If you haven't been around, then it's, it's a lot quicker. Um, although he's got a huge outlay uh, just to get in there, so that that may give him you know more time than than another another coach would get. Um, next one: Clemson finds a way to change their starting QB before conference play resumes against Wake Forest. Um, I think they would have, you know, continued to slow play this um, where Sam Hartman not back, but Sam Hartman is back and they have to play him in three weeks. Um, they've got Furman and Louisiana Tech before then. Um, a lot of time for Klubnik to get a ton of, of reps, a ton of time as the starter, and just a little bit of time to win over some of the fans, win over some of the team, win over some of the media, um, and make that switch over a little bit more palatable and, and explainable to DJ. Um, but I I think they're gonna they're gonna want to find a way to have a, a threat under center um and that's something that really right now they don't have um they they look unimpressive for large portions of the georgia tech game they got the job done they won comfortably um but i think they would have liked to have you know been able to light up the scoreboard a little bit more early on in that game than they were able to um with those limitations and the last one i have and this is a, a homer pick i i think jordan travis is one of the top quarterbacks in the ACC, if not the top. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. 
I would have said he was lower half of the conference before. Um, but we look at, you know, I would have said last year, Malik Cunningham was a better quarterback and he doesn't look great this year. Um, Sam Hartman is back. So that changes things. Devin Leary didn't look great uh, in his opener. Um, you still have Phil Dracovic. This is a conference that despite, you know, not very good overall play um, and a very unimpressive week one has a lot of talent at the quarterback position. You look at UNC, like they, you know, barely beat Appalachian state. Uh, Drake may looks, looks to be a very good quarterback. So um, I don't, I don't know. I'm ready to say Jordan Travis is the, is the top, you know, I think that's, you know, probably stretching it a bit, but I would have said that he was bottom half for sure. And I think he's, he's vying for the top. If he can turn in performances like he did against LSU on a consistent basis, um, he's going to be the one who carries Florida state to, to actually start to make their way back to, to where they want to be. I, I will add, uh, you know, last week when we were talking about the LSU FSU game, I said, we're going to win because we've got the better quarterback. And uh, I think that that played out to some extent. We also blocked two field, you know, two kicks that, that he's not the only reason we won, but he also threw a couple dimes in that game that were dropped um, contested balls, but like right over the defense uh, there, there is one to um, who's a big guy 14 in the end zone. Johnny Wilson, um, Johnny, Wilson. Johnny Wilson. He's got a pull in that ball. Uh, there was another one. I think Pittman dropped another similar pass. Um, there's so there, there was a couple, but yeah, agree with that. Yeah. Also, sorry. Shout out to uh, Tyler Van Dyke as well. That's another another very good quarterback in the I ACC. I mentioned most of the other top ones. He's he should not be left out. Good call, Mark. Your overreactions. Yeah, uh, Anthony Richardson for Heisman. Um, now here's a couple reasons that won't happen, but like that guy was awesome and he was everything as as build. Uh, I, I'm not the only one who thinks that his odds have jumped from like plus 600 to like plus 1800. He's now a top you know, five in Heisman voting. What I said earlier is why it's not going to happen. I think if you really lean on him, Florida wins 11 games and he's got a good chance to do it because you're just going to let him run. You're going to let him beat people up. And if he can stay healthy, like I don't think there's a more unguardable person in, in college football right now. And it's great to have him as your quarterback. Cause you, you get an extra blocker every time he, you know, every time he wants to run with the ball and, uh, you know, he, he's going to help you win a lot of games this year. A lot of games that are close. It's like, well, we've got the best player. Um, or we've got, you know, we, we've got the most unguardable player, uh, on the field. And so he was awesome. Um, mostly with his legs, but like I said, he's, he's not a horrible passer. He's, you know, he's sharper than Tim Tebow was, I think, uh, you know, so, and he's got a cannon. Um, that's one. The other one, or my next one, probably a proper reaction, which is I had Ohio State to play Bama in the title when we, you know, did our picks the other day. I think you could kill that and say this is going to be a Georgia Alabama problem again. Um, again, I don't think Ohio State was looked that good. No, I guess we'll find out if Notre Dame was that good, but you know, Georgia looked awesome. We've already talked about that. And then I would say probably two or three of my conference champions changed in Week One. Uh, I called Utah. They didn't look good, and USC looked really explosive. Um, now they played Rice. Uh, so, you know, take it for what it is. But, you know, I don't, I'm don't. i nervous about that pick. NC State looked awful. I said they were going to beat Clemson. Uh, that doesn't look great. Um, and then I called Ohio State. Michigan looked great. Uh, tough to say what Colorado State is. I mean, they look completely outmatched the whole game. So you're like, Michigan killed them in every phase of the game, but they didn't look that good. So is Michigan dominant? Can they do that to Ohio state? 
but really physical. I mean, just crushed them in the trenches uh, on both sides of the ball. So I probably got three conference picks wrong after week one. Uh, those, those are my overreactions. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Any thoughts on those guys? I, yeah, I, well, obviously I disagreed with a lot of your conference champions picks already, Mark, but uh, it's good, good to see some of my instincts aren't totally off. Uh, the, yeah, I, I, I think, I think that the Michigan quarterback job is probably open and shut now, um, which is interesting. So Brian, I think you were all over that one. So I'm going to give the credit where the credit's due. Uh, Thank you, sir. I, yeah, I, I've got my own. I don't know if anyone else wanted to chime in on, on Mark's kind of takeaways from week one or overreactions to week one. My, just my thought process on the USC. Rice put up 14 points in the first two quarters and USC had four interceptions. Like, I get, I get that they beat them 66 to 14, but I think Stevens called this earlier and said, hey, they're going to have to outscore people. Yeah, they're going to have to outscore people if Rice put in 14 points on you and you leave the first quarter tied 7-7. Like, that's, that's, that's a little interesting to see. Um, but I'm a USC proponent. I have USC going to the playoff. Um, but I, I, I saw Mark's hesitancy. I'm like, mm, we'll see if, you tell who, if USC is who they are and you tell you who they are in week one. My own uh, kind of – Again, I, I, I don't love the word overreaction because I, I try and be more measured. And I'll tell you kind of it's what I call like the Kenny Hill principle. And I just remember Kenny Hill was the starting quarterback that replaced Johnny Manziel several years back. I believe it was in 2014. They open up against South Carolina on the road. And I believe South Carolina was ranked number nine at the time. Uh, he has a sensational game, looks extremely sharp. Uh, and then like three weeks into the season, he's benched. Uh, South Carolina ends up losing five or six games. And so it just it, putting that game into the context of the rest of the season, uh, some of the conclusions that were being drawn by fans and media were just kind of asinine and, and, and stupid. So I, I'll try and be a little more measured in my approach. But since it's overreactions, I'm going to take small sample sizes and apply them across the board. I think the Syracuse Orange are going to be a tough out my goodness, they were impressive. Uh, that looked like, and, and this goes back to my college days at BYU, that looked like the Robert and I led offenses when Taysom Hill was quarterback here. Uh, and they looked really, really sharp. Um, again, hard to tell how much of that was just maybe Louisville being uh, perhaps not what we thought they might be on the defensive line, particularly when it came to pass rush. Um, but Boy, I, I never thought I'd say Garrett Schrader looks sharp throwing the football, but wow, uh, he looks good. Uh, the trimmed beard is working wonders for him too. So we know that that's, that's the look for him, not the super, super long shaggy one he had last year. Uh, they, they looked really good uh, and they look like a tough out. They look like their game. How about a little career renaissance for Dino Babers who looked like he might be on the way out this year. Um, if they keep that up, he's 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 in line to, to stick around Syracuse for a lot longer. Any others, Steve? That was my big one. Uh, maybe one more. Uh, Oregon State, I, I watched that game. They looked sharp. I think their coach, Jonathan Smith, is a really, really good football mind. Uh, so I'm interested to see where they go from here. Uh, they go up against another 
group of five Darling and Fresno State this week, and the line is uh, kind of shifted a couple of different times. Fresno opened as the favorite. It's now Oregon State favorite by one. It is on the road, so it's it's in Fresno. Uh, so we'll have to see there. I, I'm thrilled to see some of these teams that maybe have been down for a while start to kind of resurge and, and become part of the conversation after they hadn't been. Another one on that one, and, and we'll have to see what happens. Arizona, Arizona, look at you. Way to go, Wildcats, making a little little bit of noise and beating another uh, group of five team, but a, but a tough out in San Diego State. They're, they're no slouches, just ask Utah. Oh, I like that. Oh, all right. I'll go for my overreactions first. My major overreaction. I know college football. That's what I'm saying. I'm overreacting to (laughs) (laughs) my games of interest last week were App State, North Carolina, the backyard brawl and Penn State and Purdue. And all three came down to the final minute (laughs) with App State, you know, missing those two two point conversions, the backyard brawl with uh, two scores in the final few minutes. And then the Penn State Purdue game where Penn State drives down the field and scores with a minute plus left. Um, and then also Florida State winning on a last second play. Uh, I called that as well. I did not call the manner of that it would happen, but I called that. So if you need any advice about floor, about football, just talk to me. I know what's going on. <laughs> no, we all clearly know that's not the case. Oh, go ahead, Steve. If you need advice about gambling, I know who not to talk to. Um, this yeah. isn't something that we've included to <laughs> we've included to, for the listeners here, but we do have just an ESPN pick'em where we're picking against the spread, and I went two and eight. So uh, maybe when the podcast reaches a certain level of viewership or listenership, uh, we can unlock that, and just you get my picks, and so you know to bet the opposite and and do the, the George Costanza approach and make you some money. Very valid. It was proven correct last year too as well (laughs) i'm just not any good at it again like one one of the things i will say in my own defense is like i would never actually choose to bet on any of those games um oftentimes they're the ones where it's like oh man i don't feel good about any of these but knowing my track record of being so poor at them i I, maybe we should just release those and and see see what what if someone was to bet the opposite of what i did how much they would net Yeah, I, I think you're right, though, Steve. There, there aren't any of the games that I would ever be like, oh, I'm confident about that one. Um, my other, but, but my other overreaction, and I, Steve, you kind of took it from me, but not. To, I'm going to pile on. Like, I'm not bugged at all. Like, Syracuse, dude, I, like you said, it looked like Robert and I with BYU. It, and I'm not a huge Robert and I fan, but you have to, if, when you have the right quarterback, <clears throat> Taysom Hill or somebody like that, that can r- run that offense, that can – give be a real threat running and is durable dude that is that's impressive and i'm i think syracuse is going to be a good team i think daniel babers is not going to lose his job this year and i'm going to say they're on the better on the upper half of the acc this year um based off of that performance so i'm excited to see where they go i'm excited to see what happens there all right steve i think you got the game turned I do. The game turned when uh, lots of candidates this week. Uh, ECU was one that uh, if you follow our Twitter account, I I mentioned that they they got a goal line stop and forced a fumble with about 10 minutes left in that game. Uh, And I said, you know, if they are able to pull this off, this is a perfect, you know, this is a high caliber. The game turned when candidate as, as you know, they missed a couple of field goals. They came up empty on, on a few of their own possessions with opportunities to either tie or take the lead against NC State. Uh, 
So uh, they're out, unfortunately. Uh, I'm going to go homer pick here. The game turned when that extra point got blocked in the Sunday night game in New Orleans. Um, really a fun game throughout. Uh, just there were stretches of that game where Florida State looked pretty dominant, uh, but at the same time didn't cash in on a lot of LSU mistakes. Two muffed punts that gave them the ball at LSU 16 yard line or closer, no points out of either of those drives. Uh, and then they, they fumble on the goal line on, you know, on LSU's goal line to give them an opportunity to even tie the game and, and take it into overtime. Uh, just to set up this specific block is as if you didn't watch the game, Florida state had blocked a field goal earlier and uh, it was done by Jared Versa, a player that they've got out of the transfer portal who ends up being a, so far a superstar. Um, but I think they overcorrected for that. Uh, they lined up Shaheen Brown, the person who ends up blocking that extra point lines up right next to Jared verse. I think the, the players on LSU's team were keen to not repeat the mistake from previous uh, and it ends up burning them because they spring a uh, spring a hole for Shaheen Brown to make an incredibly athletic play to block that field goal. Um, again, that it would have been a game turned when if the fumble had happened and LSU had won after that last minute drive 99 yards, but you gotta, you gotta stick the landing and they didn't do it. And uh, thank goodness as a FSU fan, they weren't able to, that was, <laughs> it's funny. So uh, Brian and I watched that game together and right as that drive is going through, um, we had someone actually drop by our door. Um, so I had to pause the game and go downstairs and like quickly talk with this person and just say, hey, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of something here uh, <laughs> and come back up and just watch the almost let the game slip out of your hands only to have it, you know, the reversal of fortune in, in the, the, uh, the amount of time uh, it, over, like, I guess, like a minute's worth of, of game time was insane. Went from they muffed a punt and we're, we've got the ball with a minute left. We're up seven. We're on their eight-yard line, I believe, is where they recovered the second muffed punt. We're definitely going to win, To We fumbled. Okay, we got to play defense for a minute, To They're going to score. Uh, to Not only did they score, but now it's overtime, and it feels like our entire sideline is just stunned. Uh, and then, nope, nope, we're not. We're actually, we're going to win the game in regulation. And Brian Kelly, your face can turn as purple as your collared shirt is and uh, enjoy it with your family. I got to say, Steve, my, my comments on that were, I was texting a buddy of mine and he texted me, he goes, ball game, the second the fumble happened. And I go, I wouldn't count it yet. And he goes, he texts me right back. He's like, oh no, I jinxed it. And I was like, I will kill you. But I honestly think also, a contributing factor to that block kick was Jared versus sack around, around midfield in the, in the, during that drive. If you watch after that sack, they call timeout and he is double teamed the rest of the entire drive. They, the running back is always chipping on him or doubling on him. And so, yeah, like you said, a lot of pay, attention paid to him. And then the block, Brian, you had some comments. Yeah. I was a very similar experience to what you had with, with the jinxing of it. Um, I had you know, uh, a cousin who DM'd our, our podcast Instagram and said, FSU is back. Um, and this is before we've, we've punted the ball away. And I said, you know, not till the fat lady sings and they muff it. And I, I respond, I said, 
never mind it's over we're back um which obviously like i i i'm not huge into the saying of like we're back because it's like no we're no we're not like fsu being back is is a very high caliber of what back is um we're, we're not anywhere close to that i don't care if we beat lsu right um but i i respond and then i'm just dreading oh my gosh i i've spoken too soon i couldn't believe the turn of events that occurred um also the visitor who came and, and had our game paused was during the middle of the longest um play under review in college football history um took forever to have that last one second um and then just the absolute devastation afterwards when they catch the touchdown and i'm sweating through oh my gosh fsu is gonna lose in overtime to brian kelly two years in a row i'm gonna have to you know deal with whatever emotions go on <laughs> inside me at this point i've I've thrown my, because we've had to pause the game, I've thrown my phone into uh, our bag. So that way nobody's texting me. I'm not going to have anything spoiled for me. Um, and just the utter relief. Uh, Shaheen Brown gets in, gets an incredibly athletic dive in there. Um, yeah, it was it was not, not the sort of thing that will um, lengthen my life by any means, but something that I'm really, really happy with the result as it, as it came out. I can't believe you answered the the door, Steve. I would open the window and say, "Go away!" And just shut the window. <laughs> I, I knew who it was. I knew who it was, and so like, it's just like, "Hey, make this quick." Um, <laughs> but no, did anyone else's phone blow up? Like, it, it's funny. Like amongst my uh, friends and 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 even my work network, uh, just tons of texts out of the woodwork of, of friends at the end of that game. Just no way did that just happen. So. Uh, it, it was it's fun to be on the on the winning end of one of those games after we've been on the the losing end of a few of them I'm thinking of the Georgia Tech in 20 what 2015 as as the, probably the most glaring example of, of being on the the, the worst end of uh, no way did that game just end in that fashion all right we're, we're running out a little bit out of time um so let's move ahead to our, our next weekend and what kind of games we're excited about Brian you want to start us off uh, sure. One I'm excited for out of the gate is Tennessee versus Pitt. Um, Pitt has one of the most, you know, fun out of conference schedules this year. They've given us a great one with the backyard brawl. Um, but I, I always like to see these, these cross conference between the power five and see how do, how do these teams stack up? Um, West Virginia by all projections, wasn't, you know, supposed to be particularly good this year and Pitt was supposed to be competing to, um, win the coastal really them and Miami are, are the, the picks in that side of the conference in the ACC. Um, so interested to see um, how that how that game plays out. Um, if if I was a betting man, I think Tennessee's going to win by, you know, not not loads, but double digits. Um, but I, I'm intrigued to see if my perception on that is even remotely accurate. Um, we'll we'll see what you know Tennessee eventually ends up being this year. But um, yeah, I think Pitt was you didn't see them do things that were beating themselves too much against West Virginia. Um, and that was ultimately what won them the game was that West Virginia uh, did. They have a, a drop pass that um, lets Pitt finish them off. And, and so just really intrigued um, to see how, how Hypo's got his team going at this point um, and who's going to be kind of that number two in the SEC East. So Florida's really thrown their hat in the ring preseason. You would have said Kentucky's way up there um, as well. Um, which that game will I'll talk in a second. Um, and then Tennessee is really, to me, it's, it's those three. Um, I don't really expect anyone else. I don't really expect South Carolina um, to be in that conversation with those ones. Um, 
Florida, Kentucky is exciting because one Florida, you know, has traditionally beat Kentucky all the time and didn't last year. Um, so there will be some revenge that they're looking for, but also I think this is uh, really going to be the substantiating game of how good is Florida actually. Um, you know, we won't know what their absolute ceiling is, but this will give us a really good semblance of, um, you know, if, if they're as talented and as uh, put together as quickly as, as week two, um, as we think they might be. Um, we've said a lot of optimistic things about the Gators, um, not a place that most of us like to be about the Gators, but I think they look like a very good team. Um, and if they have a statement win against Kentucky, it's going to be uh, putting out a notice to everyone else and the rest of what they have is, is a pretty tough schedule. Um, to say, hey, you've got a potential loss uh, when when the Gators come to town or when you when you visit Gainesville. So um, intrigued to see that one. And the last one would be Houston versus Texas Tech. Um, I think Houston is really the last, um, not the last. I, I think they're the best bet to crash uh, the playoff of group of five teams. I don't think reasonably they're going to do it, um, but they need a win. Um, if I'm recalling correctly, these teams played last year and Texas Tech won narrowly. I may have to double check that. But if they can have a win and not only a win, but a statement win, um, it's going to be a long time before we're really able to see them play anybody else. Um, I mean, Houston, the next toughest team on their schedule, and I'd say by a distance from the rest is, is UCF. So Texas Tech, UCF, they can win those two. Um, they've got that win over UTSA, which is one of your better group of five teams. Uh, they could be, you know, making at least making shouts for crashing uh, the playoff, but certainly, um, a, a you know a good option and should they win out in the AAC to uh, be in a New York Six Bowl this year? So I'll jump in with mine. Um, <clears throat> I'll I'll do the how I plan to start my day and how I plan to end my day. Alabama Texas, uh, nice early kickoff. We'll see what Quinn Ewers is all about, and it, it'll be an interesting um, opportunity, a measuring stick to see what's going on uh, with Steve Scar Steve Sarkeesian down in Texas. I expect Alabama will kill them. Um, what's the line on that game? Let's see. It's uh, it's 20 points. Um, you know, it's, it's a big line, uh, but it'll just be interesting to watch. And then 9:15 Eastern time, um, Baylor BYU top 25 matchup in Provo. BYU going for revenge last year, uh, where they were really um, beat up on the ground uh, and you know, and, and couldn't run the ball. Uh, we'll see what happens this year. Obviously, you know, we're, we're BYU grads, so hoping that, that BYU wins that game. Um, but great great way to start and end my day for college football. I, that, the, the late slate to me is like all really good, and I'm stunned that they didn't try and space out a few of these. I know they're all on the West Coast, but in, in that kind of eight to nine o'clock timeframe, you've got Baylor, BYU, Oregon State, Fresno State, Mississippi State, Arizona. So um, some fun games. I, I think they'll be good. Obviously, I'm looking forward to the BYU-Baylor game. I will be in the stands. Uh, I will be there. Uh, should be an electric environment. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and a statement game for future conference rivals, right? This is this is one that uh, we'll, we'll start to see more often. So excited for that. Uh, that, that one's one of, one of the big ones that I'm looking forward to. A couple other ones that I would highlight as ones that I, I think are, are intriguing. Um, this one probably wouldn't have jumped out at me, but did you realize that USC opened as a 10-point favorite to Stanford, but that line has been bet down to eight? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Stanford was really bad last year, so I like I... 
it, it's hard for me to see them springing this upset. But again, they beat USC last year. They got Clay Hilton fired. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see. That's that's maybe maybe an interesting game in prime time. Uh, we'll have to see. I, I, I tend to lean towards Southern Cal and, and them covering, but it's it's interesting that that line has moved for so people putting their money where their mouth is say otherwise two two quick thoughts on you steve number one your betting history sucks um number two (laughs) fair you forgot to mention that you'll be in the stands with your shirt off and your massive hairy chest painted with a y on it so uh you know look for steven on espn oh i I, i'll never do that (laughs) if anything i dye the chest hair blue Come on, man. Um, Steve, they, they moved the line down to negative eight, but it's still favoring USC. Come on, bud. I know. I know. I'm just I'm just saying. No, nah, I'm saying. I agree. Uh, the games that interest me this week are, of course, Bama and Texas. I really think Bama is heads and shoulders above everybody else. I'd like to see where Texas is at. Um, I think Texas wants to see where Texas is at. And, um, I expect this to be a, a three-touchdown victory for Bama, but I'm just interested to see that game. Um, Louisville US, UCF. I'm interested to in see this game because because I don't think Louisville is as bad as they showed out on week one. I think that was an overreaction. I think people are like writing them off. And be frank, I think there's a good chance they beat Florida State in week three. Um, uh, and then I also want to see more of John Reese Plumley with Gus Malzahn running that offense. That to take the Ole Miss wide receiver. And, or almost former what quarterback now tr- turned right wide receiver now transferred back to quarterback. Um, that's going to be fun to watch and see how he does again. Um, they did well this week, but just to see how I continue. Um, and then lastly, the game I'm really also excited about. I know these aren't ranked teams as much, but Wake Forest Vanderbilt. I do not expect Sam Hartman back in that game. I mean, he's considering he just got cleared um, to, to practice. I doubt they, they throw him in there, but I'm interested to see is Vandy real, like how Vandy's been putting up some points. How do they do against a pretty good Wake Forest team, um, at least a defense, a, a team that can probably play some defense here? Um, and who, someone who's expected to be semi-mid-high for the ACC versus someone who's not expected to be anything in the SEC and you compare the two that way, that'll be interesting to me. Um, anybody, th- any other thoughts around here? I just think that the Louisville athletic director that scheduled the beginning of their season and, and worked, uh, obviously the ACC didn't do them favors with that on the road at Syracuse and then back to back with uh, another long road trip. I think perhaps even a longer one down to the bounce house in, in Orlando to play uh, a pretty tough out from the, uh, from the group of five ranks um, in UCF. And then you got another, it it is, it's a Friday night game. So short turnaround, long travel, and then playing a week later on, on another Friday night against Florida State at home. That's a rough open. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, one of my overreactions was Syracuse. So let's let's see. Maybe Louisville can can right the ship just a bit. Uh, but that, that was one that I was also uh, intrigued and we'll keep keep an eye on for sure. I'll pile on to you. And this is this is going back a bit. But uh, to Mark's um, shout out for Baylor BYU. Um, I. I'm really intrigued to see. Uh, so the Cougars look really good in week one. They played USF, um, a team that they should have beat, and they, they did and took care of business pretty quickly. Um, but they have a potential to have one of the most, uh, to, to be one of the most watchable teams in the nation this year um, because of the schedule that they have. I think if they can play Baylor close, 
um, then you can start, you know, kind of licking your chops for what you have coming down the line. They play Oregon the week after they have Utah state on the schedule or Notre Dame on the schedule, Arkansas, Boise state, and what is now, I guess the fearsome Stanford Cardinal. Um, but, uh, I think if, if we can see, if we see that there's some legitimacy to, to their current ranking, um, then it, it just means great things for college football fans across the board um, because they're going to be in a heck of a lot of fun games uh, down down the length of the season. Touching a little bit of every conference, it sounds like, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, any other comments or thoughts before we wrap things up tonight, this week, guys? Mark, yeah. I see you guys. Brian made one ridiculous statement earlier, and none of us called him out on it. He was in the middle of something. Uh, he said – he doesn't think Stetson Bennett is a top 10 quarterback. Brian, next week, I would like you to come prepared with your list of 10 quarterbacks in the in college football right now who you take over Stetson Bennett. I don't know if I'm calling him top five. I don't know if I could come up uh, with 10 right off the bat that I felt like are better than him. So look forward to Brian's top 10 quarterback ranking um, next week. And if you have to get all the way down to 25, I would be curious where you, you end up putting, you know, where, where Stetson comes in. So I think that's absurd. I'll, I'll help you. Alabama's starting quarterback, Alabama's backup, Alabama's third string. You, you, that's your, there's your first three. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be happy to lead off the next show with it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. That's the pod for today. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the CFB Paint Podcast. We're dropping new episodes every week. Be sure to rate us five stars on any and every service where you listen to the pod. And if you feel so inclined, let your friends know about us. As always, thanks, Mom, for giving birth to us and to all the rest of our listeners. We'll see you next week.